Welcome to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan, and we are broadcasting live on April 11th, 2023 from the studios of WMNF Tampa. A bill has passed the Florida Senate and it's moving through the state house. Critics say that bill will crack down on Florida's public sector unions. And we're going to get to that bill for the rest of the show in just a minute. But I do want to turn to the beginning of this show with something that was fairly shocking that happened yesterday in the Florida legislature. And we're going to hear all about it right now before we get to that union bill. Don't want to put that off. It's a very important bill. But I also, I don't want to leave this behind either because uh, this was quite shocking. Uh, People found that when this happened yesterday, Republican Representative Webster Barnaby, Barnaby. He's from Deltona in central Florida. He apologized for a rant that he went on yesterday in a House committee hearing. The hearing was on a bill that would forbid transgender individuals from using the bathroom that corresponds to their gender identity. And here's a little less than two minutes of what Webster Barnaby from Deltona, who is who represents that area in the state house, he's a Republican. Here's what he said and what he later apologized for. You're listening to WMNF Tuesday Cafe. I'm, I'm looking at society today, and it's like I'm watching an X-Men movie uh, with people that, when you watch the X-Men movies for Marvel Comics, it's like we have mutants living among us on planet Earth. And, you know, some people don't like that, but that's a fact. We have people that live among us today on planet Earth that are happy to display themselves as if they were mutants from another planet. This is the planet Earth where God created men, male and women, female. I'm a proud Christian conservative Republican. I'm not on the fence. There is so much darkness in our world today. So much evil in our world today. And so many people who are afraid to address the evil, the dysphoria, the dysfunction. I'm not afraid to address the dysphoria or the dysfunction. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, and all of your demons and all of your imps who come and parade before us. That's right, I called you demons and imps who come and parade before us and pretend that you are part of this world. So I'm, I'm saying my righteous indignation is stirred. I am sick and tired of this. We, I'm not going to put up with it. You can test me and try to take me on, but I promise you I'll win every time. Let's all vote up on this bill. Thank you. Well, that was Webster Barnaby. He is a Republican who represents Deltona and other parts of Central Florida in the State House, the Florida State House. And he later apologized for calling transgender people imps and demons on the on the floor on the in the State House. So I, that's a little bit off topic for what we're going to talk about today, but I did think that people might be interested in hearing that and might have a reaction to that. If you do, maybe the best way to send your, in, your reaction is by emailing dj at wmnf.org 
or by texting 813-433-0885. We'll probably get to phone calls a little bit later in the show, uh, but right now maybe text and email is the best way to do it. Sign your name or let us know who you are and where you're calling from, if, if where you're uh, writing from, if you do text us or email us. So, well, that's that. I don't know if there's much else to add to that, um, that, that a, a, an elected state official, a Republican representative Webster Barnaby from Deltona is calling Floridians imps and demons on in the state house. All right, well, let's move on a little bit. I, I do want to talk this hour and we have a great guest lined up later on about a bill that has passed the Florida Senate and is moving through the state house. Critics say it will crack down on Florida's public sector unions. The bill would ban automatic deduction of union dues from paychecks of union members. It would require that 60% of eligible employees sign up in order to unionize. That's up from 50%, and it would add financial auditing requirements, but it's only targeted at some public sector unions. Firefighter and police unions are exempt, and that's one of the reasons that some people think this bill is a politically motivated union-busting measure. In the House, it's called HB 1445. It will be considered this afternoon in the Florida House State Affairs Committee. Its Senate companion is called SB 256. It passed the Senate late last month, 23 to 17, mostly along party lines. We're going to hear some of that debate from before the vote, and I want to know what you think of the bill. Email dj at wmnf.org or text 813-433-0885. You are listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. We're broadcasting live on April 11th from the studios of WMNF in Tampa. We'll hear from some Democratic critics and a Republican who voted against it in just a few minutes. We're going to begin here with the sponsor. Here is Republican Blaze Angolia right before SB 256 passed the Senate. Here's why he sponsored the bill and supports the bill. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe. I've always said from the very beginning, the idea here was to make sure that unions were being receptive to the union members and to push up union membership so more people were involved in those decisions. When a public union collects millions of dollars in membership dues from Florida employees, there is an expectation that they should actually listen to their membership. And you can't listen to what the majority of union members want unless you have more union members involved in the process. It's just simple math. This bill ensures that more union voices members are actually heard. This bill recognizes that taxpayer resources should have zero role in collecting and remitting those dues. And when a public union creates hurdles to members who want to leave the organization, then we as policymakers should address that. When a public union is unable to provide the value required to maintain membership and their actions have impacts on employees who aren't even a member of the union, then we as policymakers should address that. There is absolutely nothing, nothing in this bill that negatively impacts an employee's ability to join, maintain membership in, pay for, or participate in their union. That is just a simple fact. This proposal in this bill 
protects employees, and it saves Florida taxpayers by getting them out of the financial relationship between an employee and their union. I have long stated in every single committee, the idea of going to 60% is to have more voices involved in their union. And I have always said in every single committee that if I was a union representative, a union leader, I would use this to go out and enhance my membership and get more people involved in the union. I want to read a portion of an email that was actually sent out today by a union in South Florida. I won't read all of it. I'm just going to read one sentence. It says, we need you to join or recruit other colleagues to become part of our professional organization. The bill has not even been voted on and it's still having its intended effect already. With that, I ask for everybody's favorable support. That was Republican State Senator Blaze Angolia, who represents Citrus, Hernando, Sumter, and parts of Pasco County. He sponsored SB 256, which passed the Florida Senate last month. It will be considered in a House committee this afternoon. In the House, it's called HB 1445. It puts restrictions on public sector unions, and it was opposed by most Democrats in the Senate before it passed last month. I'm asking people, what do they think? Are you a union member? What do you think about, especially a public sector union member? What do you think about automatic dues deductions and that going away? And the way that you can weigh in right now is by emailing dj at wmnf.org. You can text 813-433-0885. You can also... Uh, I hope you sign your name if you text us. That would be wonderful. Um, if you are afraid of being retaliated against by your employer or some other reason, you can let us know that as well. But I, I, I like it when people sign their names to their emails. That's really helpful. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. We're broadcasting from the studios of WMNF Tampa. And we're talking about SB 256 or HB 1445 about unions. What do you think about what the sponsor there, Blazing Golia from our area, is talking about when he says the goal of this bill is to push up union membership? Is that what you think will happen? And he's really excited that uh, that unions in are in. I guess it's a he thinks it's a new thing that unions are trying to grow their membership. He sounded really excited that his bill was making that happen. Um, so if you're a union member, is that what's making, is that what would motivate a union to to raise its membership? Or is that something that kind of happens all the time? That's what I would guess. I don't know. I'm not there. I'm asking you. You can weigh in at dj at wmnf.org or you can text 813-433-0885. Let's hear from a couple of Democratic senators who oppose SB 256 here are Tina Polsky, who represents parts of Southeast Florida, and Chevron Jones, who's from Miami-Dade County. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe. This bill is a great example of big government swooping in to try to fix a problem that doesn't exist. Uh, we talk about the size of government all the time, and it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Union members are losing their freedom here in the Freedom State to choose how they want their dues deducted because the easiest way to have them deducted from their paycheck is now being taken away. And we've never been given a good reason why. 
I don't think a reason why is the sponsor's dad told him. He's gotten a f- couple of phone calls. I don't think that's a reason to change law. This is the ultimate in cancel culture. We are trying to get rid of a method that helps workers by making it much harder to collect dues, cost them too much money to conduct audits, and create a much higher threshold to maintain certification. With respect to the audits, the CPA here has told us how expensive this requirement would be. And we've been given no examples of corruption or why this is needed. The unions have been around a long time. If Senator Angolia can address in his debate, Senator Angolia, can you address something in your debate, please? We had never discussed in the committees or on the floor about the um, fiscal impact, which is mentioned in the bill analysis. It's almost a million dollars. The additional requirement of listing the top salaries of union staff for all public sector unions except fire, police, and corrections officers just shows that this is meant to be punitive. If it was such good policy to list the salaries, it would apply to all unions because that has nothing to do with dues deduction. It has nothing to do with going into an office to pick up, to drop off your check, to meet with uh, union leaders as was reasons given why they're exempted. And that goes for the whole bill. There were different, as I said, there were differing reasons given for this exemption, but really none that makes sense. This bill has been around for many years. If it was such pressing policy, it would have passed. Now there seems to be the political will to smash the unions, not to help these workers, but to help political ambitions. For the sake of our constituents, for you fine, fabulous, hardworking folks of the union, thank you for being here. I urge you to vote no on this bill. Members, no one asked for this. That's how I'm going to start off. No one asked for this. And considering the amount of work and the amount of time, the amount of patience, and the care that many of these same people who are in the East and West Gallery, both Democrat and Republican, who are a part of unions, the work that they did to help and support our families during COVID, this is a slap in the face to them. In the answer to questions about why a 60% threshold, my colleague, Senator Ngoglia, said that it's to get more people involved. Totally overlooking the fact that this state, we are a right-to-work state. Even to the fact that the individuals who are a part of unions, no one's making them pay their dues. They voluntarily chose to do so. We are clear of the fact that this bill will now restrict public sector employees from voluntarily choosing to pay their union dues through a payroll deduction. Senator Pizzo gave numerous examples of payroll deductions that individuals have access to, whether it's through gym membership. You fill in the blank with those options that you choose whether or not you want to come out of your paycheck. For 50 years in the state of Florida, public sector employees have been permitted to have their union dues voluntarily deducted from their paychecks. Now in 2023, the world is on fire and we're now taking this away from them. I just want to go through a few things that we spoke about last week. Even the, the iterations of this bill, which have been introduced, 
year after year, we have come and we, and we have done the same thing, which again, I'll use the phrase of slapping the face to our public sector workers. And I do want, want to remind you all, again, that during the time of COVID, during the time of most needs, these are the individuals who step up, put their lives on the line for us and our families. And this is how we say thank you to them. The sponsor stated that his reasoning for allowing police, firefighters, and corrections unions to continue to receive union dues through payroll deduction is because, listen to this, they work second and third shift and shouldn't have to lose sleep to meet someone to pay their union dues. What about the 911 employees who have to work second and third shifts? Or the teacher who has to stay up late at night to do her lesson plans? putting her life on the line for her and her students because all she want to do is teach and go back home to her family. Here's what I'll say. This seems like we are once again picking winners and losers and we are playing partisan politics, excluding unions that support our issues, your issues, and punishing others who don't support your agenda. This is not right. I think you all know it's not right. I think you all are extremely clear of why this is happening, particularly to our teachers. And I want to remind you the way I started, I'm going to end. These are the same people that when your families were in need during COVID, they stepped up and they took care of you. And if this is how you say thank you to them, shame on us. Well, that was Chevron Jones. And before that, we heard Tina Polsky. Both are Democratic state senators who oppose a union bill that passed the state Senate. It will be heard in a House committee this afternoon. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. We're broadcasting from the studios of WMNF in Tampa. And I want to know what you think. You can email us at dj at wmnf.org. You can text 813-433-0885. I'd especially like to hear from public sector unions. What do you think about the idea that pretty soon it could go away where your union's dues are deducted automatically from your paychecks if you choose to become a union member. I'd like to hear from you. Let me read a couple of the emails that came in. A lot of people are weighing in on both the union bill and that clip we played at the beginning from this uh, state house representative, Webster Barnaby from Deltona, who is calling some Floridians imps and demons uh, so Carol writes in, Florida and the USA are under a severe threat from Christo-fascism. People who believe in invisible sky fathers are trying to install a theocracy. They want women to be slaves to gestation. They demonize anyone who doesn't share their irrational beliefs. That's what Carol says. And uh, then Karen writes in, so what? He apologized? Was he out of his mind? Would love to hear that lame blank apology, writes Karen in Dunedin. Thank you for that, Karen. And David writes, Barnaby's comments were disgusting. Unfortunately, DeSantis is kind of like Trump. He's making it acceptable for these bigots to say out loud what they're thinking and feeling deep down inside. It's shameful. And then David said about the union bill, I wish that police and fire unions would speak out against this anti-union bill. They should be worried about losing their protections over time too. Show some, God, show some solidarity for God's sake is what David says to unions, to police and fire unions who are exempted from this bill. 
Also, um, Jeff says, a lot of times I've come to, come to understand that Republicans believe in the idea of preserving our freedoms in the same, day, same way we respect the idea of somebody choosing to be a Christian or do whatever they choose to do or be whoever they choose to be. We should respect somebody who chooses to be trans or whatever gender they choose. Part of being an American is cherishing our freedoms and respecting the freedoms of others. That is the reason that the Republicans who spoke had to apologize. That's the, the sentiment of Jeff from Cyberspace. And then Bob in Largo says, that, that is just outrageous. Church and state, I'm in the middle. The Supreme Court legalized gay marriage. This gentleman should focus his disenchantment on the Supreme Court. And he thanks us for playing that. So we have uh, some other emails that have been coming in. But let's continue this conversation about the union bill, SB 256. It was passed by the Senate. It's being considered this afternoon in a committee in the State House, HB 1445. And I want to remind you in that in just a few minutes, I'm going to be joined by McKenna Schuler, who is a reporter for Orlando Weekly. And of course, you know her as a former anchor and reporter for WMNF. She's been covering this bill out of Tallahassee. And uh, we'll get the latest from her and get what her thoughts on the bill. Let's hear now from a couple of other senators who voted against this bill last month when it passed the state Senate, Daryl Rousson from St. Petersburg, and we'll hear also from Senator Geraldine Thompson from Orange County. Both of them are Democrats who voted against SB 256. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe. I've said a lot during my time in the legislature, but one of the things I say regularly is I try to view the policy from the standpoint of the common man or woman, the working man and woman. And I have to stand today in support of the unions and against this bill. You see, one of my heroes, the late, great James B. Sanderlin, who was the first black judge in Pinellas County, and who asked me to raise my right hand and accept the oath of an attorney on December 10th, 1980. He became my hero because in 1968, he represented the sanitation workers against the city of St. Petersburg. All they wanted as human beings was decent wages for a fair day's work. All they wanted were benefits befitting a working person. Yet they had to unionize, they had to organize, they had to work together and protest in order to get what should have been given them freely out of decency. And the civil rights movement was funded in large part by our brothers and sisters in the unions. And here we are passing a bill today that will dissuade membership. We're increasing the threshold from 50 to 60 under the guise that it will make the union representative communicate and talk with those he or she represents. So I stand today like 
Judge Sandlin stood, and I walked beside my brothers and sisters in the union as they walked beside us when we needed them and needed their support. We should be passing regulations and laws that enhance union membership. Madam President, thank you for this opportunity to stand up on this floor and oppose this piece of legislation. Senator Thompson. Thank you, Madam President. Senators, uh, during COVID, we identified uh, certain individuals as essential workers. And teachers were identified as essential workers. They had to go into the classroom. They had to uh, go to the schools. And we said they were essential workers. And as people uh, became ill uh, with the virus, nurses were identified as essential workers. They had to go to the hospital to care for individuals uh, who had contracted COVID. And this bill would, as Senator Jones said, pick winners and losers. And the losers would be the teachers. The losers would be farm workers. The losers would be nurses. The losers would be individuals who are in professions that are primarily female-dominated. And I pointed this out. The winners would be people in law enforcement, firefighters, correctional officers. They would be the winners. And they are in professions that are primarily male-dominated. So women are going to be the losers under uh, this legislation. The sponsor stated that union members came to him with stories about being unhappy with their union. Yet there was not one union member who testified in committee to that effect, that they were unhappy. And Florida is a right-to-work state. No one has to join a union or pay union dues. Florida is also a collective bargaining state, and it's protected in the Constitution. The right to join a union should not be interfered and not be infringed upon. This legislation violates Florida's right to work principle. The policy statement in the membership authorization form stating that Florida is a right to work state and that union membership and payment of dues are voluntary is unnecessary. That's already a given. It's unnecessary and it is redundant. It serves only to confuse employees and undermine the collective bargaining process. It also reinforces the false notion that right-to-work laws protect workers' rights when, in fact, they weaken unions and result in lower wages and benefits. This bill is contrary to public interest. The policy is contrary to the public interest as it weakens the collective bargaining power 
of public employees and employee organizations. This could result in lower wages, lower benefits, less desirable working conditions for public employees, which in turn could lead to higher turnover rates and reduce quality of public services. It also undermines the principle of fair and equitable treatment of employees in the, work, in the workplace. Not, let's not put ourselves in the position of choosing winners and losers. Let's not make women who are nurses, who are teachers, farm workers, essential workers, let's not put them in a position of being the losers with this legislation. I ask you to vote no on this bill that is designed to break the backs of unions. That was State Senator Geraldine Thompson. And before her, we heard St. Petersburg State Senator Daryl Roussan. Those Democrats were talking about their opposition to a union bill that passed their chamber. It's called SB 256. It's also called HB 1445 in the House. It'll be heard in a House committee this afternoon. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canaan, and we're broadcasting from the studios of WMNF Tampa. And I'm asking people what they think. And I have a few more emails to read, but you can also weigh in by emailing dj at wmnf.org or texting 813-433-0885. So Dave from Sarasota says, isn't this bill unnecessary? We have the right to work for less laws which need to be repealed in all states and types of unions. So thanks for that thought, Dave. Also, Greg writes in this bill is union busting, pure and simple. It's preposterous that Ron, he calls him Ron DeFascist and guns over people are going to destroy Florida's public education system to further the political career of one man. It's fascism plainly as a person, our governor comes up short. That's the thoughts of Greg out there in cyberspace. And Dennis writes about the sponsor of the bill who we heard from earlier, Blaze Ingolio. He says, um, Ingolio is out of his mind. His saying he wants unions to have more members is laughable. What a bunch of double talk and allowing payroll deduction for police, fire, and corrections officers is clearly discriminatory and cannot stand up in court if challenged. This session of the Florida legislature is a disaster. Nutcases are out of control. Those are the thoughts of Dennis out there in cyberspace. And we have one more person weighing in on what we heard at the beginning of this show. We heard a state representative from Deltona Representative Webster Barnaby, a Republican, uh, talking, calling some Floridians imps and demons. And John in Ozona writes, I was curious about his use of imp. It can mean a mischievous person, but not evil, or when used pejoratively, spawn of the devil, or the word might be from his British background. Um, so that's what John in Ozona says. I don't know much about this representative. I have to admit, I can't say that I've ever really heard of him before today, before last night. Um, Republican Representative Webster Barnaby from Deltona, which is a town kind of near the east coast of Florida, northeast of Orlando. And uh, he apologized for calling transgender Floridians imps and devils on the, in the house yesterday. You are listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canaan. And just in a few minutes, we're going to hear from McKenna Schuler. We're going to be joined by McKenna. And so I want to make sure we get this one last thing in before McKenna joins us. This is a Republican who spoke out against the bill before the vote. And so here is why he thought it did not make sense. This is Joe Gruders, who represents Sarasota County and parts of Manatee County. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe. 
as many of you know, I don't ask questions or debate often because I am well aware that it rarely leads to anyone actually changing positions. We have a lot of intellectual firepower on both sides of the aisle, and I recognize that there are members who are much better at making the case for or against the different bills. So I save my comments when there is something that I could uniquely contribute to. As it relates to CPA and auditing issues, I will claim to be the resident expert. And anytime I know that I can contribute something unique, I will let you know. This is a bill where there are issues. Last week was the first week I heard the CPA, issue, CPA issues and I brought up my concerns in the Q&A and talked with both Senate staff, the bill sponsor, and the CPA lobbying team to try to resolve them prior to today. The bill says that they are requiring an audited financial statement certified by an independent certified public accountant. It then goes on to list items that need to be included that are part of the existing form that organizations use now. This form will not be able to be used moving forward. A financial statement audit is the examination of an entity's financial statements and accompanying disclosures of an independent auditor. The result of this examination is a report by the auditor attesting to the fairness of the presentation of the financial statements and related disclosures. The auditor's report must accompany the financial statements when they are issued to the intended recipients. Financial statements are not quick, they're not easy, and they're very expensive to do. I know last week some people questioned my estimated cost. So what did I do? I went and called several CPA firms and I, uh, to try to get a projection of what this would cost different organizations. And I would anticipate it based on those calls that it would be between 12000 and 15000 for each of these organizations. However, some firms won't even do audits under 25000 I personally worked and signed off on a Teamster audit this past year that was within that range. You see, there's 30,000 plus CPAs in the state of Florida. There are 5,000 CPA firms. However, only 1,000 firms actually do audits. And you ask yourself why? It's because we, this body, passed a thing called peer review. And I would say that's a, it was a very good process because you, it leads to more specialization and better, better results. But a limited supply and a large demand equals a scenario where prices will continue to increase above the range that I quoted. So I also reached out to various union groups and was able to come up with the following stats. I talked to over 300 different unions through their, some of the members of the leadership, and 137 of those unions have less than 100 members. 100 of those have budgets of less than $5,000. For a CPA to do a financial statement audit, the entity has to have financial statements, and I highly doubt most of these groups with the smaller, smaller budgets that they have, have one. So they will have to pay to have that completed prior to them doing an audit. Then we're gonna make them raise their revenues by two to three times just to pay for the professional preparation of these reports each year. I agree, larger unions can adjust and adopt, but these smaller ones won't be able to comply. And you may hear that, well, these smaller ones can combine and do them together and save money. That's not the case. Every union's unique, and it would be tough to get an auditor like me to opine on a financial statement if you have controls that are different from location to location and organization to organization. 
The people that affiliate with these local groups are doing their best to earn a living and should have the right to collectively bargain without undue influence in the state creating a hardship. A simple language change could have addressed this, but ultimately it was decided a change was not needed. This tells me that the only intent of the bill is to kill off the unions here in Florida, and I cannot vote yes. Thank you. Well, that was Republican State Senator Joe Gruders. He's from Sarasota County, and he was speaking right before he bucked his party by voting against a union bill that did pass the Senate last month. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. We're broadcasting from the studios of WMNF in Tampa. And we've heard from the lawmakers. Let's bring on a journalist now who's been covering this bill. McKenna Schuler is a reporter for Orlando Weekly. She's also a former anchor and reporter for WMNF. Welcome back to WMNF's Tuesday Cafe, McKenna. Thanks for inviting me on, Sean. It's really good to see you. Remind our audience what's in this bill, SB 256 and HB 1445. So there's quite a few things in this bill, but as I've reported for Orlando Weekly pretty extensively, some of the main things that are really concerning labor unions and workers just broadly um, who benefit from their public sector unions is a ban on automatic payroll deductions of union dues, which is already something that if you are a union member that you um, sign up for willingly. Um, and then the other primary thing concerning people is a 60% membership uh, requirement, a threshold that unions have to meet in order to remain certified or valid, so to speak. And that's actually different from previous iterations that have been proposed in previous legislative sessions here in Florida, where it's typically been a 50% membership threshold. So I think a lot of what I've heard from union leaders is it feels like an escalation this year in that regard. So we just heard from Republican Joe Gruders. He spoke against the bill. Most of his colleagues voted for the bill. So what is Joe Gruders just a, a union activist in the Republican Party or something? Um, I would say that I've heard from union leaders that there are, you know, a handful of Republican allies in the state legislature. So I wouldn't call him a pro-union activist, but I haven't talked to the man myself, so I can't say. And we got an email just now from Bubba who says that this bill is retribution against teachers, plain and simple. And he says, I know so many people are leaving the profession because of politicians sticking their nose where it doesn't belong. And uh, he goes on to say things I won't be able to say on the radio. But so what do you think about that idea, especially um, this bill applies to public sector unions, of which teachers are certainly a large public sector union but it ex exempts firefighters and police unions. So what's that story? Yeah, so this bill has broadly been interpreted as an attack on teachers unions specifically and um, why people think that. For one thing, as you mentioned, teacher unions do make up a significant chunk of Florida's unionized public sector workforce. So over 150,000 Teachers, support staff, and other school staff are covered by the statewide teachers unions and their smaller unions throughout the state. Um, but it also feels politically motivated because DeSantis himself, Governor DeSantis, has sort of attacked teacher unions himself. And some people think that that's in retaliation for teachers unions endorsing his Democratic opponent, Charlie Crist, last year. And his Chris's running mate, of course, was also a teachers union president herself. So 
it does feel very targeted. And that's actually not a very Florida specific thing either. This is something that has happened in other states as well. Um, Oklahoma, for instance, also has legislation this year that targets public sector unions, but actually specifically teachers unions. They don't even bother just saying the entire public sector. But as far as the carve out, that has also been something that's not unique to Florida that is present in a lot of similar legislation that's been proposed in different states throughout the country. But it also feels politically motivated, I think, or that's how it's interpreted because um, police unions and firefighter unions, for instance, commonly endorse um, Republicans for office and generously donate to their campaigns. Um, as far as firefighters and police speaking out against the bill, I actually read a an article recently, I think it was UF's student newspaper, The Alligator, where they actually did get a firefighter union leader on record um, saying, opposing the bill and saying that other public sector unions shouldn't have to, you know, deal with this kind of um, attack on their union rights. Our guest is McKenna Schuler. She's a reporter for Orlando Weekly, and this is Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan coming to you from the studios of WMNF in Tampa. McKenna, Florida is what's called a right-to-work state. So remind people what that means and why that aspect of it makes this bill even more uh, confounding for labor rights groups. Yeah, so one interesting thing, actually being able to report on this bill more extensively is kind of being able to educate, I guess, inform people, again, what right-to-work is and how it relates to this legislation. So because right to work, I think, is commonly confused with other concepts like at-will employment. And I would say, put simply, right to work means that in Florida and over a couple dozen other states um, that have similar policies, an employee working in a unionized workplace can reap the benefits of having a union without having to financially support union activities through paying dues, such as uh, collective bargaining. So you don't have to sign up to be a union member to benefit from what it can do for you. And actually, because of a U.S. Supreme Court ruling in 2018, Janus versus AFSCME, the entire U.S. public sector is also broadly right to work as well. Um, and this is a policy that first emerged in the South, and Florida was actually the first state to bake it into its state constitution, along with uh, the right of public sector workers to collectively bargain. So why it's relevant to this legislation is I've heard and sp spoken to many union organizers, union staffers, and just uh, broadly union workers who say that right to work makes it a lot more difficult to reach the 60% membership threshold that these bills propose. And that's because, um, because with right to work, you don't have to be a union member to benefit from the contract. So there's less incentive to do so. But what right to work to what right to work does in general that um, is problematic for unions is that it's generally pushed by conservatives in elected leadership positions and anti-union power players more broadly. It's meant to reduce the financial resources unions have to actually support a strong fighting union, which in effect also makes unions less appealing and creates what some critics call a free rider problem. And what you're referring to is that if 
either meeting the 60% or the 50% threshold might be difficult if you just, there's no incentive for you necessarily to, you could get the benefits of being in a union without bothering to join up or without bothering to pay the, the fees. And so um, that's what you're referring to there as the, the free rider. Yeah, and I should also mention, too, that under a 2018 law here in Florida, teachers unions are already required to meet a 50% threshold. So a lot of them, they're between it. They have at least the minimum 50%. I think there might be one teachers union in the state that's kind of like facing issues that people, if this um, if this bill were to pass where they don't meet that requirement, they would have to recertify. Um, but so... All of the teacher unions in this state, effectively, almost all, um, are between or at least 50%. But there are a lot that are, you know, just on that 50% that they fought to get there because of the 2018 bill that was signed into law by former Governor Rick Scott. Our guest is McKenna Schuler, a reporter for Orlando Weekly. You can read her work at orlandoweekly.com. She used to be a reporter and anchor here at WMNF. And you're listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canaan, reporting here, uh, broadcasting here from WMNF in Tampa. So in the Senate, right before the bill passed, there was an amendment that passed that also exempted transit workers. And uh, you, you're part, of, part of why that was in there is because of your reporting. So what happened there, McKenna? Well, that's flattering. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the final version of the Senate bill passed late last month actually included an additional carve out of public transit worker unions. And as Sean kind of mentioned, that came after I I think I first reported on it and then other media outlets picked it up as well. But um, I reported on concerns I'd heard from the main transit union, the Am- Amalgamated Transit Union, about how the requirements of this bill, including the ban on automatic payroll deductions for union dues, would threaten over $500 million in federal transit funds for public transit systems across the state. And that's because there are federal protections for transit employees that transit systems are required to meet in order to receive those funds. And that includes Hart in Tampa, for instance, and Links here in Orlando, where I am. And the Senate bill sponsor maintained to the end that he still didn't think that his bill would threaten those funds, but he amended the bill to include that carve out anyway. And in some interesting national context, Kentucky's Democratic governor actually just vetoed a similar bill that would have like Florida's bill banned automatic dues deductions um, because of he heard similar things from the amalgamated transit union there and didn't want to risk it. If this bill does pass, and again, we're talking about HB 1445, which we'll hear have a committee stop this afternoon in the Florida House. It already passed the state Senate. It was called, uh, it's called SB uh, 256 there. Apologies for that. If it does pass, there will, will, will there be administrative costs to the state? What do we know about those administrative costs? And maybe is, is part of that what, Gruder, what Senator Gruters was getting at it, about his opposition? Or am I mixing two things up now? I think Gruters had a different concern as far as the burden that it would place on the actual, the smaller unions in the state. But as far as the um, cost burden on the state and thereby taxpayers, the administrative costs of the legislation are still, even without that public transit worker uh, carve out, 
the administrative costs are still estimated to reach upward of over $900,000, according to a bill analysis that was put together by, um, I believe, the Senate and House um, staff. And that is administrative costs associated largely with um, if union unions need to recertify if they go below the 60% membership threshold. But interestingly enough, I saw uh, investigative reporter Jason Garcia was tweeting about something. Um, the House and Budget, or the House and Senate budgets, actually, that were released for uh, the next fiscal year, actually included an, an additional million dollars, I think, for the Public Employees Relations Commission, which would deal with these costs to account for the cost that the Senate bill, Senate Bill 256 would um, have on the state. So it looks like the Senate, and that was just in the Senate budget. I don't believe I saw that in the House budget. And eventually both have to come together to create like one budget. But that's in, that was very interesting to, to me to see that the Senate was already factoring in the additional $1 million it would take to account for what this bill could do to the state. So it'd be hard to call it a fiscally conservative bill if it's if the state's going to have to spend a million dollars just to administer this. Yeah, so the bill analysis actually describes the cost burden as ins insignificant. That doesn't sound super insignificant to me, but I'm not like a legislative policy analyst. Our guest is McKenna Schuler, a reporter for Orlando Weekly. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canan. We're talking about a bill that's going to be debated this afternoon at two in the Florida House State Affairs Committee, HB 1445, about unions. And we mentioned earlier that there was a carve out in this bill. It will affect all public sector unions except for some uh, like police unions, fire unions, and in the Senate, transit un union workers. Uh, let me ask you if that's that exemption is, is in the House version. But uh, Maybe I'll ask you that first, then I'll come back to my other question. Is is that same exemption for transit workers in the House version? I believe there's been an amendment or a committee substitute to try and make it so. I'm not sure completely to be fully transparent, so I'm looking forward to seeing in the House how that's discussed. And so getting back to the exemptions for the firefighters and police, the reason that was given in the bill for those unions being exempt is because they have long hours, they have, it, it would be difficult for them to do things to not have this automatic exemption. But then some of the Democrats who opposed the bill brought up, well, what about these other essential workers? I mean, they, nurses and uh, 911 employees, why, what was the rationale that Republicans gave for not including 911 employees, for example, in, as an exemption in this bill? Yeah, so I think we did hear the Senate bill sponsor kind of explaining his own justification for it earlier on in the show. Um, but I have the quote in front of me that he sent me when I first asked about this. When he first filed the bill, he said, we are exempting law enforcement and firefighters because these brave heroes, this is a quote, often work second and third shifts while risking their lives to save others. I cannot in good conscience ask them after a 14 hour shift with no sleep to meet with union reps to give them their check. And I, when I was talking to some workers about this um, legislation for the reporting I've been doing for Orlando Weekly, I read that exact quote to them and how insulting I think it was for some of these workers to hear that. So I spoke to especially like a few teachers and some faculty who, in addition to um, 
you know, public health care workers who can work, as I heard through some of the committee stops, upwards of like 80 hours a week. Um, teachers also work really long shifts. They they pour themselves into this work and to kind of use the long hours thing, or uh, I think the Senate bill sponsor also used the term special risk. There are special risk categories. So there are a very special category of workers, uh, whereas I guess teachers who also can face serious risks on the job, as we've seen with mass school shootings and um, other behavioral struggles of students. Um, I think the carve out and the justification for it really just doesn't hold up for the public sector workers who would be affected by this legislation. At the beginning of the show, so before you joined us, we played some uh, Blazing Golia, the sponsor of the bill. He was talking about why he was bringing this bill forward. And one of the reasons he said is by making the, the uh, threshold higher and so, and so on, he said his goal, and he sounded super sincere about this, so I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to challenge him on that necessarily, but he said the goal of this bill is to push up union membership, to increase union membership, because if they have a 60% threshold, that, that higher threshold is going to mean that the union is going to have to be um, more receptive to, to members and, and to go out and, and have a more of a push for members. I want to hear what your thoughts are or the thoughts of the people that you've been interviewing are about Blazing Golia's idea that this bill will increase Will, t- will have the effect of increasing union membership? So first, to be generous to uh, the Senate bill sponsor, um, when the teachers unions were required to meet the 50% threshold under the 2018 law, um, they did you know, have to push their membership up. But also in response to that, I would just say, if the bill were actually pro-union and meant to support and strengthen the unions, the unions would be supporting the legislation. And I don't see any union out there that's um, supporting this legislation. Um, And another thing I just wanted to bring up too that uh, the Senate bill sponsor was saying, um, I think he literally, I think he used the term giving workers a voice, making sure that workers are heard, which for me just seems horribly ironic because what we've seen throughout the committee stops for this legislation is literally dozens of workers showing up to committee stops for his bill to tell lawmakers to oppose the bill, including Republican and conservative union members who have said that this bill would um, infringe on their freedoms. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on Tuesday Cafe today, McKenna. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me on. I really appreciate it. Thanks. I'm glad you could come on. McKenna Schuler is a reporter with Orlando Weekly. You can read her work at orlandoweekly.com. She used to be a reporter and anchor for WMNF. You can watch this interview on WMNF.org. Thank you to our phone screener and lighting engineer, John Dunn. You've been listening to Tuesday Cafe. I'm Sean Canaan, News and Public Affairs Director at WMNF Tampa. We'll be back next Tuesday at 10 during this time slot tomorrow. Shelly Reback will host Midpoint. Many Floridians are losing their Medicaid eligibility. Shelly and her guests will tell you how to sign up for lower-cost health insurance. Next up is Wavemakers. Tom Scherberger will host Mario Nunez from Tampa Native Show. You're listening to Tuesday Cafe, coming to you live on April 11th from the studios of WMNF.